Today, we're speaking with Jack Miller. He is the CEO of T3 Experts, a consulting firm that empowers real estate agents, brokers, and companies of all sizes to build better marketing systems. Jack is an institution in the real estate industry, but his first love is technology. In fact, Jack started his career as an engineer, building hardware and software before diving into the real estate industry as the head of software development for Keller Williams. Since then, Jack has stepped out from behind the computer and jumped into the trenches with real estate professionals, helping them understand the what, why, and how of using technology to improve and grow their businesses. In this interview, we sat down with Jack to talk all about the challenges and choices facing today's broker, the real estate industry's race to the bottom, and the four factors that separate a mediocre real estate company from a successful one. Hi, I'm Sarah Jones from Bamboo Realty. And I'm Zach Shabbat. Hi, this is Katie Lance. Hi, this is Jack Miller from T3 Experts, and you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Jack, I am super psyched to talk with you because you are one of my favorite, favorite thought leaders. Um, I'd love for folks that aren't aware of T3 experts and aren't aware of Jack Miller. I don't know how that could happen if you're in real estate, but if they aren't, can tell us a little bit about what you do and what you do at T3 experts. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have been in the industry for about 15 years and I entered the industry, uh, from technology. So I have a technology background. I'm a computer engineer. Uh, in, in the course of my career, I've, you know, I've led software development for a, a national real estate company. Uh, I've run an independent brokerage with some partners. Um, I have done consulting work with over 200, I think I'm close to 250 brokers now in my career, helping them use technology and digital marketing and systems to make their businesses more competitive. And that is uh, one of the one of the things that we work on with clients at T3 Experts in our programs and more broadly as part of the T3 uh, family of companies as part of the Swanepoel T3 group. We work with you know brokers, we work with franchises, we work with you know agents and sales teams to help them become more competitive, use technology, use marketing to their advantage and to run better businesses. That's awesome. I you know, one, I've been to the T3 Summit, and of course, I have consumed lots of the insight that uh, Stefan has put together through all the research. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I think about a lot is, you know, there's tons of technology out there, uh, lots of folks thinking about how to make a better experience, you know, for the consumer and for the real estate professional. Um, how do you guys specifically help? Let's focus just on brokers, like folks that run teams, not, not individuals. What do you guys do? Well, well, it's, we're in an interesting time, Seth, uh, because, you know, for a long time, even though I am, you know, came from the technology background, I've I've kind of, as I've, as I've matured in my career, uh, more and more, I've come to appreciate 
uh, you know, the skill of marketing and, and I've developed my own skills with it, but, but I, I'd say where we are today is there's, there's tons of technology. There's so much technology. And the thing that I think that we help people do isn't just, you know, pick a technology and install it or, um, look at a trend that's happening in the marketplace and, and, you know, and figure out what to do with it. But so much of making effective use of technology and marketing is understanding, you know, your company, understanding yourself, understanding what you want to be in the marketplace. And so just as I've come to mature as a business person, I've realized that this is where our age right now is about self-discovery. It's about self-discovery. It's about understanding where you want to be, who you want to be, who you want your company to be, and then about bringing in the right tools, the right technology, the right systems about leveraging the right trends that help you help you do that. And so I, I think that's where we sit in the marketplace is, is helping people do that process of understanding their business themselves and where they want to be and reading the world for, uh, you know, trends and, and how they can take advantage of them. So do, do you find that, um, so that all makes sense. But my question is, do you find that there's follow through on the I'll say the broker side. I mean, they're wearing lots of hats. They've got lots of pressure. They've got financial pressure, right? They need to grow. They have lots of demands on their financial resources. And you're talking about long-term thinking. Yeah, it's true. I am talking about long-term thinking. Brokers are very challenged in our our market today and and have been for a while. I mean, the, the industry trend has been squeezing more and more dollars out of, uh, you know, out of the broker in term and giving more of it to the agents. So that's a long-term trend and uh, it, it's, it's difficult to combat. And when you have that trend, it's, it's hard to have resources to do the thinking that you need to do to be strategic and to, um, you know, do take, take actions to invest in your company. Like, I think it's hard to do that. And, and most brokers don't have those resources. So, um, you know, I, I think they're in a challenging spot. The, the good news is there are now many more avenues to get help. And there's yeah. many, there's lots of companies, there's lots of offers, there's lots of, you know, professionals that can help. And so it, it's, and I think there's a space for brokers that want, and, and I'm seeing that space to, if they want to carve out and say, you know what? I, I'm not going to follow this race to the bottom. Uh, I'm going to have a strong value proposition. I'm going to charge for it. My agents are going to help support it via their commission dollars or fees, and we're going to create something really great that doesn't exist in the market. And there's a small but strong group of brokers that are doing that, and there's some some large companies that are doing that too. So I think that there's there there is um, evidence that I can point at to say, you know, I, I think brokers that invest and uh, are thoughtful about it can definitely build a different kind of business than the one that I think we've seen over the last two decades. Can you provide a couple of examples of folks that you think are, you know, enacting on thought leadership and not doing the race to the bottom? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And some of these, just because I know them so well, because they're, they're clients yeah. uh, and that's full disclosure, you know, so we've, we've done some work with uh, Jennifer Shelgren in uh, Atlanta and she runs, she's run a very successful sales team for many years. And she recently opened a new office in, in town Atlanta 
uh, beautiful office, remodeled building uh, in town Atlanta. If you're not familiar with it, kind of um, you know was a, the core a core part of the city that kind of fell into disrepair in the you know 80s and 90s, but is making a big comeback. So it's a place where you know a lot of uh, you know new housing projects are happening and revitalization is happening. So you, so she opened an office there. Uh, beautiful office, co-working space, really cool. Um, you know, all the things you would expect in a, in a modern, um, you know, kind of trendy area. And she's recruiting, she's bringing agents in and she's not compromising on what her company offers. It, it isn't about, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to provide you, you know, the, the, you know, highest commission rate or it's a hundred percent shop. It's like, no, we have services. We have things that will make the agent's lives easier. And, uh, we have a standard of care for our clients. And so I think she's doing, you know, a really nice job with that. Uh, you know, at, at levels above that, I see companies that are, you know, 300, 400 agents, independents, and I'm not going to talk about them. These are some, some private clients of ours who are doing similar moves. They're providing more services to their agents. They're providing more, um, you know, if, if you need transaction help, if you need listing management help, if you need marketing concierge services, that they're providing those kinds of services to their to their agents and teams so that, you know, the agents aren't just out there in the marketplace hunting around for good help and trying to get stuff done. They can actually get it from their broker uh, very affordably and really high quality. And so I think that's the, you know, that's a, a, a refreshing trend for brokers to say, we're going to provide services and value in your business to help you grow and help you create the, you know, the, the business that you want. Is that the missed opportunity from your perspective, you know, from the broker side? I, I, I really, I really think it is. I think, I think that, that brokers, um, many brokers, and I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at people. I'm just saying many brokers have made choices that have left them in situations where, you know, what is the value proposition? You know, what is it that they do for agents and what are things that they can say that they do for consumers? And I think if you look at a lot of brokerages, uh, it's hard to answer those questions. And so I think there's a big, anytime it's like, well, nobody does that. <laughs> I love that because like, well, nobody's doing that. Well, that's a blue ocean space for you to step into. And I think there's a lot of uh, companies that are doing that. Some of the mentors in our uh, in our T3 Fellows Brokerage Accelerator program have stepped into that space. So when you look at, you know, Garen Selican at M Realty, he does a terrific job of providing, you know, services and value to his agents. And uh, the stuff he does is amazing. Uh, Jonathan Kaufman at Nest, who is kind of a peer of mine when, when I was in independent brokerage, uh, does the same. So they have they have a lot of services and support and value that they're providing their agents so that it isn't the race to the bottom. It's, it's, um, it's about value provided, it's about brand, uh, and it's about running better businesses that are, you know, for an agent, easier to market uh, and that you wanna be affiliated with. Doesn't that cut into the already sort of challenged margins that a brokerage, is, a brokerage has? Or, or they're you offsetting have to, Yeah, that. You, they're offsetting that. I mean, you have to charge for services, you know, and uh, th there's no way around it. I mean, you're going to charge for services either in commission or in some kind of fee. There, things have to get paid for. But, but here's the thing. If you're an agent, you know, or a small team and you need marketing help or you need content help or you know, you need technology services or support. I mean, you know, Seth, it's super hard to find, you know, find good companies and people to work with. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's true. Huge. It's a huge challenge. And, and I think that so a broker who is thoughtful about the services they provide and the vendors that they get in business with to help their agents, 
uh, there's real value there in terms of, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we have this service, we charge for it, but if you use something else, you have to take on the burden of finding it, deciding if it's good, maybe getting burnt a few times by, you know, spending a bunch of money with people that don't do a good job. So a broker has a real opportunity to set a standard of quality and provide services that are just frankly better than uh, an agent going and looking for those services themselves. So I, I think that is the opportunity for a lot of brokers right now. One of the things that I think I was surprised at when I was I was an agent and then when I started you know talking to other other agents across the country when I started speaking is that many organizations use the tools that they have as a revenue generator and mm. and it, that sounds yeah. contradictory to what you're suggesting. And I bring that up just because I think it's really prevalent, uh, across the entire industry. It's like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to make a deal to blanket tools, whatever they be, you know, paperless or, you know, name a tool to all of our folks, but we're going to, yeah. we're going to profit from that. Yeah. That, that, there's, there's kind of a, I, I think of it as kind of an old school way of thinking where, you know, if you're farming and you've got a big, you know, you've got a big herd of agents, uh, you're, it's, it's like, well, what are, what are the additional things that I can make revenue off of with these eight, with this big herd of agents that I've got? And, and it makes sense if you think of them that way, if you're like, well, I've got an enormous warehouse of agents and, you know, if I can just tack on an additional five or 10 bucks per agent, that's an additional, you know, three, four or $5,000 a month in revenue. And I, I think it's a seductive line of reasoning for brokers that are, you know, mainly looking at how to shore up their revenue side. Yeah. And I think it's my opinion is my opinion. I think in, in, in most cases it ends up uh, harming the, the brokerage, uh, you know, long term because agents don't like, you know, products that aren't great and that they're being charged fees for. Yeah. And if it's if that's the sole purpose of the product is to charge a fee. I, I think if brokers focus on great services, great products and great help for their agent, that's a clear path you know, it says we're doing this to help our agents and help them make more money. That's a clear path. And, and agents will get behind that. If they feel like they're being fleeced, you know, nobody likes that. Yeah. No, no one loves that. Um, you started out working as an engineer first on hardware, then on software. Um, how did you end up getting involved in real estate? That's a crazy story. (laughs) That's a crazy story. So, um, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, and I did when I was very young, knew I wanted to work with technology. Um, and so I pursued that path and I'm, I'm kind of a person who, you know, something my friends say is that I, I always have a direction. I've, I've have a really hard time. I'm not one of these people that needs to go, you know, travel the globe for a year to figure out where I'm going. I've always had a direction I wanted to go. And so engineering was a direction I wanted to go. And so I went that direction, but of course that was my own, you know, journey of self-discovery. So I went into the engineering field. Um, I, I designed all from the microchip up. So I've done technology at all levels, uh, really enjoyed it. Very intellectually stimulating, uh, fun, Um, but what I ran into while actually becoming a practicing engineer was it's a lot of time in front of the computer and a lot of time, you know, not interacting with people. And I found that the intersection of people and technology was really where I wanted to be. And I, I found that, you know, the, the second startup that, um, I was involved with and helped fund, uh, I became just because there wasn't anybody else to do it. I became the sales engineer. And I loved it. I said, this is great. I'm out working with the customers, 
helping translate what the customers need into what the technical team needs to build. And I really enjoyed that. And, and I liked working in the sales role. I, I found that it was, uh, it was really fun for me. So when that's, that startup unwound, we, we had the dot-com explode in 2001 and we, I ended up shutting the company down with our partners. Uh, the only thing I knew was that I wanted to work for a company that had a vision of a direction they wanted to go in their industry uh, that was sales focused and that was using, had technology as part of their plan. That was it. And I happened to meet some people who were working for Keller Williams Realty at the time. At that time, it was, there were only 30 people at headquarters. It was a, kind of felt like a startup. I went in and spent six weeks interviewing with them and they ended up bringing me on board as their software development um, lead. And then I ended up managing all software development for Keller for five years. And through that experience, I found everything that I had been looking for. I found um, people, I found uh, you know sales, and I learned a ton about sales. I, I discovered the real estate industry, which is full of entrepreneurs, and I love entrepreneurs. It's a very diverse industry. Uh, and it was a perfect marriage of my interest in people, sales, technology, marketing. There's, there's pretty much no direction you can't go in real estate uh, fairly quickly and easily if you want to. And, and that's one of the things I love about the industry is that that ability to do that. So that's an amazing, amazing journey. What was it like building software for a huge brand like that? Like you guys were experiencing, you know, double digit growth. Oh, and the growth month. was, the growth was tremendous. The growth was, was tremendous. I, I, when I started there, there were about 9,000 agents and 120 stores, um, you know, and, and Keller Williams is franchised. And, uh, we grew while I was there, we went from 9,000 to, I think close to 60,000 while I was there as, as, uh, you know, on, as part of staff. And then I left and moved out to be a consultant and it grew another, you know, 25,000 people while I was a consultant, uh, to the brokers in the organization. And, um, all I can say is that, um, building software for large organizations, especially software that touches the consumer. So marketing systems and websites and things like that requires a diversity of skills that, um, is, is, was really broad and challenging because you had to understand, you know, what are the agents, what are we trying to do, have them do, you know, what are the things that they want to do? What is the consumer experience that we want consumers to have and how can we do this affordably at scale, you know, where you've got, you know, tens of thousands of agents that are using this and how can you do it in a way where people, um, understand how to use the software, uh, maybe not intuitively, but really quickly that you don't have to spend, you don't have to send them to an eight hour class to learn how to set up their website. So uh, lots of interesting and, and difficult challenges to solve there. And I, and I think that the growth of the company, you know, proved the effectiveness at, at both what the company was doing and also our ability to support the agents in that system. And I, I think there's a, a, a long history with Keller of them working to provide tools to their agents and to bring in, you know, cutting edge ideas for, for marketing and tools and, and, you know, what a great organization to grow up in the industry in. And when you um, shifted to run technology at the Good Life team, you know, it seemed, I remember... I think when we first met and mm -hmm. I was just blown away by in a, you know, fairly small organization that was so dynamic. What was that like translating what you had learned in the large organization into, we'll call it a boutique brand. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that was for me, that was really a move from, um, you know, when you're building for a large organization, you have kind of long 
timeframes for planning and you have to be, you know, it's like, well, we're going to roll up, we're going to roll out, you know, new capabilities or features or new tools. And, you know, you're talking about six months, you know, one year timeframes. When you have a small organization, you can do things really quickly. You know, we could learn things yesterday and have them change today. And uh, it was it was personally my move to what you know in the in the software world and seem being talked about in the marketing world to to agile development. So like, okay, we're moving to where you know we make changes every week and we're updating our site all the time. We're we're adding new capabilities to the tools that the agents are using and to you know their marketing system all the time. And that that for me was part of that shift was being able to have a small enough organization so where you really could get everybody in the room and say, this is what we're going to do. And this will be available to you in a week or two weeks and, and to act quickly. Uh, and, and so that was, um, a, a, I would say a, a big contrast between working inside of a, a larger company, which just by its very nature, you know, can't always move that quickly. Uh, and sometimes can't experiment in the way that we were able to experiment inside of a small brokerage. So I'd, I'd say that was the biggest change. And were you unencumbered by legacy technology at the Good Life team, or did you we, still we have were to? Signif- we were significantly less encumbered because it was an independent brokerage, so we didn't have any particular systems that we had to use as part of the you know as part of a franchise system. And so we uh, we were able to to you know make our own road. Now that came with its <laughs> that comes with its own costs, like yeah. what I talked about earlier. You have to find good partners. You have to find good companies. You have to do all of that. And we had to do a lot of heavy lifting ourselves you yeah. know, in terms of making things the way we wanted. So we didn't have the advantages of a franchise network that gives you you know a lot. Um, and we weren't encumbered by the choices that a franchise had made. So we could, you know, we, we could go any direction we wanted to go. So it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. (laughs) So, so we weren't really encumbered by legacy systems. I mean, we did, I, there's some things we did right away that, um, you know, I kicked, I basically kicked out Outlook immediately and said, we're all moving to Google apps. And because it was a small company, that was an easy change to make. Uh, that, that sort of change could take a long time to do, but that was one of the few legacies we had. We kicked out, we ended up at least at the executive level and most of the salespeople, we kicked out PCs and moved to Mac. Um, and so we, we weren't encumbered in the same way that you would be in a, you know, brokerage that has three, four or 500 agents. Um, we could, we could make those decisions, you know, relatively quickly and act on them. You guys also went paperless long before anybody else was really doing it. And you switched to Evernote and I remember all kinds of things yeah. that were I mean, milestones at the time. And I think we all take them for granted now. It's like, yeah, why would you print you know, <laughs> today? But. Yeah. Well, I, I really came from that background where, you know, I'd been an Evernote user since the first week Evernote was available. And so I've, I was a heavy, you know, I kind of, I'm an, I'm an evangelist. When I find something that works really well for me, I tell people. And so there were certain things that we did there that from my perspective at the time, like, you know, 2008, like let's, let's all move to Google apps, (laughs) like done. I wasn't even, you know, and and I didn't realize like, oh, okay, well, we're really pioneering a lot of stuff here that, that most, and from my perspective, it was just once I find something that solves all the problems that I'm seeing, I'm not very patient. I don't want to wait around. Yeah. And so I'll put it in place and, and, and keep moving. And, and, uh, the team, the executive team there was very supportive of that. And, you know, saw it had, had the same kind of vision for saying, why are we doing this the old fashioned way? Let's, let's look at this and how can we do it differently or better? And, and, you know, so we were, as a team, we were able to move really effectively when we found something like, you know, Evernote and said, Hey, this looks like it might be a great way for us to, uh, to run our brokerage and to make things better. Uh, and, and, you know, there are a lot 
lots of other places we did that, but those are some of the ones that I think, um, you know, still, you know, still have impact in the market today. So fast forward to today, if you all Mm -hmm. of a sudden parachuted into a brokerage of that size, what's the short list? Like, what would you just, Hey, we've got to get, this is the baseline. We've got to do this. And this is what we're going to focus on. Yeah. 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 That's a great question. I mean, there, there are kind of four things that I look at with brokerages that I, that I work with. And then I, you know, if I'm parachuted in to, to help a brokerage or a company comes in and we're going to help them, you know, we, first thing I always do is, uh, we look at, at, at where's, where's revenue coming from <laughs> before we do anything uh, dramatic to the business. I want to look at, you know, where's the money coming from? How's the company making money? You know, some companies already are making, you know, money in internet lead generation. Uh, maybe they've got, you know, great referral business. Maybe they have, they participate in some kind of referral network like Cardus, you know, where, where are the dollars coming from that we can either, you know, optimize and improve immediately so that we've got some more money to pay for things that we might want to do in the business? Uh, or what are some missed opportunities? Like, oh, we're we're not marketing to our, our network or, or sphere very regularly. And because of that, we're not getting as many repeat and referral customers. So I always look at revenue first because, you know, if we can solve that problem, right out of the, right out of the gate, then it create, then, then we're able to do other stuff with the additional yeah. revenue that, that we make. So we do that first. Uh, I also, you know, every company want to look at marketing and branding and positioning and say, you know, what does, does what the company, is the company reflected in the marketing and brand materials that the company has now? And, I, and usually no, I mean, that's what I find most of the time stuff with these small companies, they, they're doing great work. They may have a really great process or great people and I usually find that it's undermarketed uh, in their, you know, on their website. It's undermarketed in their email. It's not, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of opportunities to tell their story that are missed. So, you know, we uncover things like that because that that can make a difference right away. Uh, and we also look at, you know, how are they how how are they positioned competitively in their market? Because that, you know, if you look like everybody else in the market, you're not going to be very effective. You need to look different and you need to be unique and memorable. And so, you know, we look at, at, at how that works. So that's the second thing we, you know, I normally look at is marketing. Uh, third thing I look at is systems and go, okay, let's look at all your systems and come up with, you know, which of these are working well and which of these are not. And so we, we build a, a list to say, these are the ones that are working well, these are the ones that are not. We identify any missing systems. Uh, I'm, I'm always surprised I come into organizations and there's you know systems that are just missing and it's because you know they've got a person that's kind of doing the work of what should be a piece of software. So we look at all the systems and technology that are being paid for, make assessments, decide which ones to, you know, which ones to remove or upgrade and, and put in ones that are missing. Uh, we do that. And then the last piece we look at is, is people. And so I, I look at everybody, all the people in the organization, what assets do we have in terms of the human resources? You know, do you have a really great, uh, person who is maybe your front desk person who could also be doing, you know, some additional help in marketing or, you know, listing coordination. So we look at, at, because in small brokerage, you don't have many resources. Yeah. So it's really yeah. important. Oh, it's really important that you leverage every single person as much as you can and that you create paths for them to take more responsibility and paths for them to grow inside the business because it's a small company. And so that we always look at that. So we look at the the staff and the executives, the managers, whoever's in it. And then we also look at the agents. And that's something where, you know, I want to look and say, what what is what does this group of agents need 
in order to grow to more sales? You know, what do they need? Do you have a group of people that are, you know, really good with internet leads, but they're not doing anything with their sphere? Do we have people that maybe are great networkers, but they don't have any prospecting habits? They're not, you know, they don't get together and do call sessions or we don't have networking events for them to help them, you know, bring their clients to into the company. So, you know, we, we look at what, what the people are doing on the sales side and what the company can do to help them make more money immediately. And that, that's kind of, that's the triage. I mean, that's like when we, when I work with people, our company works with people, we, those are the four areas we look at in order to triage and figure out where to go next, because every move we make should be uh, with, with brokers should be strategic to help them make more money, become more efficient uh, and more profitable. I love that plan. Um, you know, the question that I have been asking uh, when we sort of go down a level, it's like we're, we're operating at a sort of a higher altitude. But if we go down a level, I remember when I was uh, the first day as an agent, I'd passed my test. I was pretty psyched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had already yeah. chosen a brokerage, really loved uh, the CEO and, you know, the broker in charge. It was like super smart, progressive folks. Um, what do you what do you tell that person? to do today? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question, Seth. And it's something that, um, the, the clients of that we work with in our programs, you know, all end up having to answer at a point in the program where they go, okay, what do you do with a new agent? And we call it onboarding. Yeah. We say, what do you do with a new, new agent? And there's a set of activities that you want new agents to do. And it depends on your company's model. It depends a little bit on how every company has a way that they go. This is how we help people make money and and companies have to make a choice about we help we help agents make money by and insert something there. There's some there's you put something in there. Uh, You know, we help them, uh, you know, do more, you know, networking and referral based business. Uh, We teach them how to prospect. We uh, we give them Internet leads for them to work. Uh, we de- we help them develop their marketing programs for maybe their neighborhoods or their niche or whatever it is they're into. So there, there's a fill in the blank exercise that you have to do first to then answer the question you're asking. So once they've done that, then what we tell brokers and we work with brokers to do is to put in place the training and the accountability for those new agents to do what it is that the company says it does to help agents make money. So for instance, I'll give you for instance. So if our, like, let's take a broker who says, you know, our company is really great at helping people, um, work their, uh, their, you know, past clients, if they're already an agent or to help them work their network or their sphere of people. Right. So that's something we help agents do. So then, you know, there's a series of activities you do with that new agent. You go, okay, first of all, get us a list of all your people and let's get them into the company CRM. Okay. Next step is, um, call, you know, prioritize those people by, you know, ABC, who are the top people that you think you're going to most likely to do business with or would help you in terms of giving you referrals, uh, who are people that, that like you, but you know, may, maybe not would use you right away, but some of you could build a relationship with, and then who are people that are, it's probably going to take, you know, they're going to have to see you be successful for a while in real estate before they're going to do business with you. Reach out and call the call the A group, set you know, coffee appointments, go meet with them, tell them what you're doing, tell them how excited you are to be in real estate, tell them about all the great things that we're doing in our company that will help them or people that they know. So go meet with them personally, call everybody on the B group, 
we're going to send marketing to everybody, including the C group, so that they know you've moved over and now you're doing real estate. And so that would be something it's like in the first week, get your database, get it organized, put people on a contact plan and a marketing program and let people know you've entered the industry. That's like week that's like week one and some a week two. Right. Yeah. So that's an example of the kind of program we put them through. And then, of course, at the same time, you need to have the agent learn how to sell what the process is for selling and transacting in the brokerage uh, and usually how, you know, how to work with their mentor and follow their mentor around and learn how to do the, I'm a big believer that real estate is a business that people learn by mentorship. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a, I, I just think it's, it's too complex of a business to learn in a class. I think you have to follow somebody around and work with people that have done it a lot because it's a complex business with lots of different avenues. You have to human psychology, sales, marketing, um, just how to speak to people appropriately in a sales context, uh, how to handle objections. You know, so you need to have a mentor. So that's one of the things we say, take them through an onboarding process, get them up and running with the basic things that your company says it helps with, get them into mentorship and get them into training. And usually sales training is the thing that you want to start people with is teaching them how to speak to people and how to generate referrals and how to, you know, how to get people into an appointment. And then once you get into appointment, how to get into uh, a buyer's agency agreement uh, if you're if if you're building a buyer. So that that that's that's the path. That's that's what you want to do with new agent. That's awesome. Um, you read a lot. You consume a lot of various uh, information. Where do you go for for inspiration? <laughs> well, there's some. There, I, you know, I read a lot. I I listen a lot. Uh, also, so you know, there's this really great podcast, The Craft of Marketing, that I wanted to co-promote and say. First of all, if you're not listening to it, it's it's Seth's other work, which is quite good. Um, but no, seriously, I do I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I read. Um, you know, I I have a very extensive list of both industry industry and non-industry blogs. So pretty much every day, um, I go through and read, um, I'm pulling up my list right now. So, you know, I read notorious Rob, you know, cause Rob's always got something to say. I read Sam DeBoard. I read Tracy Weir. Um, I read, you know, everything thousand watt does. Um, you know, I, from, from industry news, um, there's a handful of, of the NAR blogs that I think have really good information. I, I read a lot of the other consultants. I think Clarity Consulting puts out some good information. It's a little bit more for people like me who are doing consulting in the industry and, uh, but is really good because it comes from, you know, it's coming from practice. So, yeah. you know, those are some of the sources that I ch- chase down. Um, uh, you know, Geek Estate. I read those guys. They've got they, they publish some good stuff. Uh, yeah. Tech Savvy Agent publishes some good stuff. Uh, Chris Smith. Also, all stuff Chris and Jimmy does is you know they're they're uh, you know they are all the time very productive. And of course, Playster. You guys publish a ton of content. So, you know there there's there's a lot of sources for knowledge and information within the within the industry. Um, outside of the industry, I usually pick um, I usually pick themes and then we'll go read a lot about a particular topic. Um, so right now I just, I just finished a book, uh, called different, uh, which was recommended actually by one of the T3 fellows mentors, uh, the broker accelerator program. Uh, and it's, it's a fantastic book. Uh, it's by Chioko moon. It's called different escaping the competitive herd. Uh, great read, short, uh, very engaging, and talks about you know how to build companies that you know are are 
escaping the trap of sameness that competitive analysis gets you into. So when you see everybody go, well, you know, if everybody compares themselves to other companies and they use this big grid and they say, yep, we've got that, we've got that, we've got that, we've got that, all these companies end up looking the same. So the, this book really talks about how to build companies that don't fit inside of a checkbox comparison list, <laughs> which is a novel. It's really novel, and and, and the, the stories in it. They have some great stories about different companies that have kind of broken. Because what they what they're really talking about in that book is they're talking about breaking the rules. You know how you break the rules in a constructive way to create a company that does something that people go, "Wow, that is really different." And you know, that the one of the examples they use is IKEA. You know, who thought if you'd said two decades ago, "I'm going to take you to a furniture store where the furniture is." fairly cheaply made. It's not going to last a long time. You're going to have to assemble it yourself. It's not going to be a big open floor where you just go to the section you want. You have to go through this kind of guided experience through the entire thing, and it takes about an hour. And this is going to be one of the hottest furniture retailers on the planet. I mean, if you said that 20 years ago and you were from traditional furniture industry, you'd be like, you're crazy. You're going to sell me cheap furniture that- And um, I have to you put know, it together you, myself. You have to put it together myself and, and you're going to put me through this ridiculous process where I have to walk through this whole labyrinthine maze to look at everything. And, and not only w will I do that, I'll look forward to it. I'll go there and it'll be like a little event, you know? So, yeah. so if you told people that, but it's that kind of thinking about, they said, you know, we're going to do, we're going to break, we're going to decide on purpose to break some of the rules that the, our industry has about how furniture is sold. And it was really made them really successful. So that's, that's probably, that's a read. So I usually pick a topic and, and right now my topic's been differentiation and competitive analysis. And so that was my most recent read, but, um, you know, highly recommend that. Um, I just finished, a, a, a series of study on, um, kind of uh, the uh, strategies in that are used in wartime. And I'm a big World War II and generally history buff. And so I, I spent some time uh, studying strategy and um, some of the techniques and tactics that were used uh, during the war. And um, just really it, from a historical perspective, but also just kind of come from a different place. I think when you are a marketer or you're an innovator, uh, you need to go you need to go outside. You need to go have a different experience to bring something new in. And so that's why I'll pick things and, you know, spend some time, uh, you know, studying uh, outside of the industry, because I, I think that's where that's where you create something new. That's where you can bring in something new. Awesome, Jack. What's the best way for people to find out more about you? Uh, you can find me in a number of places. I'm on Twitter. I'm Jack Miller on Twitter. I don't tweet a lot, but if you follow me or at message me, I'm, I'm quite responsive. Uh, also at our website at t3experts.com where you can learn more about the programs we run there. And our uh, also t3fellows.com is our brokerage accelerator program for small brokers. It's, we don't have hundreds of people in it. It's a small group, but we are uh, working with that group to change change the nature of small brokerage into something that we think is much better. So t3fellows.com, any of those websites, you'll find me. Awesome. Jack, thanks so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. I always love chatting with you and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Great. Thanks, Seth. Pleasure was all mine. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. 
Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.